Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour as the Philadelphia Eagles coming off their mini uh, bye week here after playing Thursday night against Tampa Bay two Thursdays, excuse me, two Thursdays ago. Now travel to Las Vegas, Nevada for the first time to face the Las Vegas Raiders in Sin City. I'm your host, Delgy Hero, and joining me as always is my co-host, Connor Donald. Connor, we're here, we're back, and the Eagles finally are going to go through a stretch of quarterbacks that aren't Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. Yeah, it's definitely going to feel nice to have a stretch of against teams that, you know, granted, I don't think the record actually speaks total volumes to what the, uh, Vegas is doing. I think that they're they're not four and two, but they're not like that bad, you know, like mm-hmm. it's it's weird. It's weird. They're they're an in-between team. They're exactly who we thought they were, but they started off really good taking advantage of some teams who you know, Pittsburgh's having an identity crisis. Baltimore is completely shellacked by injuries. But it, it'll be nice to get this stretch of of better games because uh, we definitely went through a stretch there where we, we, we ran a bit of a gauntlet, that's for sure. And we actually stood up not terribly. I understand a lot happened in garbage time and stuff. But still, that's a sign that, you know, we stood we stood up. We, we did some things and hopefully we... Hopefully it's a sign of things to come. Yeah, hopefully it is. Um, before we get started, as always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow me on Twitter at LJHarrell54. And follow our partners at Sports Talk Philly on Twitter at Sports Talk PHL. And wherever you're listening to us, please rate and review the show as well as subscribe to the show. All right, so first things first. The Raiders, uh, this is life without John Gruden after he got resigned, got fired, whatever it was, after those emails came out. Which, by the way, there's 600 and plus 650,000 emails, and the only ones that came out that were der- that that made anybody lose their job are about John Gruden. I want to know what those emails are, and I know that they sent the, that I think Congress or whoever's taking is going to look into it and whatnot, but still. The Washington football team should not be should not be held or excuse me should be held liable for what has has happened. Like they shouldn't skate free, and I don't think they will. But the fact that John Gruden's the only one that has lost his job up to this point is beyond me. Um, and again, I know that things that could change. It's, it's probably going to with who's who's looking into this now. Um, but still, um, obviously, what John Gruden said. Don't ever condone what he said. Um, and if you look at the Raiders after their game last week, and, and even some players, I think Josh Jacobs said it, the sideline was a lot, you know, looser. There, you know, when you have the the aura of John Gruden and Chucky and the way he's looking at or the way he looks at people and the way he kind of commands the entire team and controls everything. I feel like the Raiders, and, and you had mentioned it last week that, um, Connor, you mentioned last week how the Eagle, um, the Raiders maybe with losing John Gruden, they might not be as good. I think it's going to be the complete opposite. They're going to be able to play looser, play freer, play more calmer, and not have to worry about when you're walking off the field having that stare of John Gruden. Um, and I think we saw that last week for the Raiders. 
Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say fully, you know, what what's actually going to happen. And it's going to take more than a week or two to really understand the direction that that team's going to go. And, and, you know, how they're going to be able to come together. And if they're better than a 9-8, and 8-9 eight, eight team. Or if they are what we saw the first co- for the first three weeks, and maybe it just wasn't them taking advantage of teams. Maybe it is who the Las Vegas Raiders are, and and we're just underrating them. But I mean, obviously, you know, whenever a circumstance like this arises, it feels like you know it it feels almost like teams step up in these types of circumstances and maybe they will play a bit better. And I mean, it kind of plays into their favor that they got the Broncos who were definitely not as good as they looked at when they were three, you know, because they played three teams who combined to be zero and nine in the first three games. So we're starting to see who the Denver Broncos really are. And now they get the Philadelphia Eagles. So, I mean, these are games they definitely need to win as a four and two football team, but they are teams that are advantageous to start this new future off with post-John Gruden, this new post-John Gruden era that is happening in Vegas. And it can really turn the tide for the direction that Vegas chooses to take on forward. I mean, I've heard a lot of uh, national takes where it's like, I think they blow it up. They get rid of Mike Mayock. They bring in, you know, uh, a coach of color. And they really change the landscape of who the Las Vegas Raiders are after this situation. And I could see it go that way. I could also see them hold true to Mike Mayock and find a new coach, um, find a well-regarded head coach, a well-regarded coordinator, whether that be one of color or not. And they continue forward with the Mike Mayock era in in Vegas. It's really going to be interesting to see at the end of the season what direction they go. But I think it also plays into these games. These games factor will factor into hugely because if they can finish nine and eight or ten and seven, well then they can't just clean house. They're headed in the right direction. And as much as you want to change the look of your team and stuff because of the sour taste that's been left in your mouth. Obviously, you don't want to go that direction if you're able to get above 500 or a couple games above 500. Um, and then I guess in regards to the emails, more is going to happen. Look, you, yeah. you look at the you look at the NBA. They basically stripped the ownership of the old Clippers owner. There's this mm-hmm. bombshell story that's about to drop on the Phoenix, the Suns. Phoenix Suns. The NBA knows. The Phoenix Suns know. They're prepared to strip. They will strip ownerships of their power in the NBA. The NFL will not. The NBA doesn't go to Congress with these situations. The NFL is on their way to Congress with this situation because they don't feel it's being well, investigated force, properly. They did force the old Carolina Panthers owner to sell. They they did, but like look at the circumstance. Like look how hard it is to get them to force them to get owners to sell. And I get, you know, like I, I saw in one group chat and somebody said, Well, you know, shit rolls downhill. If they force an owner to sell, that owner's gonna call out other owners and it's just gonna create a shit a shit storm for the NFL. The NFL created their own monster this way. The owners have always had so much power. Look how much time it's taken the players to get some of the power, some of the revenue share from the owners. It's huge. It's like the owners have so much pull and so much control in this league. It's crazy. And rightfully so. I mean, they own the teams and I get it. But circumstances like this around the Washington football team, this would never have come to light if emails didn't leak, if this stuff didn't start to come out. Dan Schneider is still quote-unquote owner all it was was they moved the name of the owner into the wife's name and they moved some people around in the head office they put some more women into power more powerful positions and stuff and they said okay i think we're good to go 
But no, there's so much information out there that is not being divulged to the people and there's not being divulged to players, to some of the women. There's a lot of hush money that was paid out to women. And it sounds like, you know, a lot of women don't want to be quiet. A lot of people don't want to be quiet about this situation. And it sounds like there really is something that that's going to happen. And to the point that Congress is now getting involved, that should never happen. This is why my biggest thing Never trust an NFL investigation. I tweeted about it the other day. They need to get a third party in here. I understand that it costs a lot of money, but a circumstance like this is about to cost the NFL likely a lot more money than a third party conducting a proper investigation. And that, and I'm I'm down with the whole having a third party to conduct the investigation as long as the NFL is not hiring that third party. They need to find a third party to hire that third party if that makes sense because. The NFL could just hire somebody and like hush, hush, wink, wink, you know, with the do type of deal. Um, so I'm there with you. They, they definitely um, need to figure this out um, and, and hold these these owners need to be held high, to higher standards because a lot of the time it's like the the, the players are, are seem to be held higher to higher standards than maybe coaches and maybe um, to owners. So hopefully that changes and it needs and it needs to change. Um, so in regards to, to this game coming up between the Eagles and the Raiders, it's the highest ticket, ticketed or highest price ticket of the weekend. And apparently a third of the, the tickets um, that were being sold, um, sold to this game are from Pennsylvania residents. This, it's going to be like an Eagles home game in, in Las Vegas. There are so many Eagles fans going to be there. It's going to be, um, it's going to be crazy. Um, the, the amount of green and Eagles chance that you're going to hear, Sunday, 4.05 Eastern time um, at, at Allegiant Stadium in that, you know, spaceship that they have out in Vegas. Um, and, and it's going to be fun. And I was following somebody on Twitter. I think Mike K, his, his flight got delayed yesterday, and he couldn't get another one because the next 20 hours of flights out of Philadelphia to Las Vegas were all sold out. That's how crazy this game is going to be in terms of, the amount of Eagles fans that are going to be there and how, how loud it's going to be in favor of the Philadelphia Eagles. You remember um, when the Eagles went out to LA four years ago um, to play the Chargers and even the Rams playing play the Chargers in that soccer stadium. And it, it was like 80, 75% Eagles fans. Would not shock me again if it's about a 50-50 split in Las Vegas. And you know what happens if Vegas stays in Vegas. This was a dream trip for people um, in, in Philadelphia and Eagles fans. It's going to be crazy to hear on the, the broadcast how it sounds out at Allegiant Stadium. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I see the the videos that some people are posting of like just full flights of people decked out in the midnight green and stuff. Mm-hmm. I wish I could have went. I wish I could went. Me as a Canadian, you know, it kind of sucks because I have a buddy who's a really big Vegas Raiders fan. And and this was one of the trips where we were like, we, we should really try and make Me this too. happen. I was looking at because it. Because it's such a frequently traveled to area that the cost to get there isn't as bad as if you're going to some other places. So I, I really wish that I could have made this happen. Obviously, COVID is making it a, a, a lot more difficult. But still, it's going to be great to see the fans and all the support that's going to be out there for Philadelphia and to make to give that atmosphere off that it's somewhat of a home game or even any type of feeling that it's like a home game is definitely something that the Philadelphia Eagles need against the Vegas Raiders, who are kind of there. I mean, they started out 
three and zero, and then they've gone a little, they've gotten a little colder there, going one and two in their last three. But that doesn't mean that that circumstance, that doesn't mean that they're going to let circumstance step in the way that they, they could use circumstance as a way to continue to drive them forward this season. But Philadelphia, we need to use circumstance. We need to use a lot of things to our advantage to get this win and to get more wins. Because I mean, even if say you know we're not going to the playoffs, like I don't think we're going to go to the playoffs. Eight and nine or nine and eight would be above expectations for me, and it was would be something I would love to see Philadelphia be at because then it's then you know things are starting to come together after the start that we've had, and that's what I want to see. I want us to be able to address needs and figure out what those needs are and and address them in the offseason. We got multiple first round picks, we got tons of draft capital, we're gonna have some salary cap space. So I'm I'm pretty excited for everything. Uh, going forward from here because we've gotten through the worst of the worst part of our schedule and now we get to really see we get to chat we get to face some teams where we're really gonna see you know what the Philadelphia Eagles are made of because understandably so some of those matchups early on were tougher matchups for a quarterback who's played 10 games a coach who's coached six games there's a lot of things that worked against us that people don't like to admit are there in front of your very eyes but now it's time to see. Now we're six games deep. We got the sample size. Jalen Hurts, he's had 10 games. We got he's got the sample size. He's got half his he's got over half of his games under the Nick Sirianni coaching staff. Time to start seeing some things from Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts. Yeah, the Eagles had, if not the toughest, one of the toughest schedules the first six weeks of the season. And now going forward, um, right based off record, the Eagles had the easiest schedule going forward. And I hate to do that because you know, there was all that talk when, during baseball season. Oh, the Phillies have an easy schedule. And then they go, go and get swept by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, so, yeah, if the Eagles can um, come out and, and, you know, you get the Raiders this week, you get Detroit next week before the Chargers, and, and you know, the Saints come up before – and then, like, the Eagles – and then before the Eagles don't hop on, on a plane, you know, the last – for the majority of the last half of the season, this is where the Eagles have to take advantage of these games. You mentioned it. The Raiders, while they are a – what are they, 4-2 and two right now, um, they're a iffy four and two, um, and the Eagles are two and four. Obviously, you know, losing to to the high power Chiefs who aren't having a great season, losing to the defending Super Bowl champions, um, losing that game to the Niners. The, what I want to see coming out is did Nick Sirianni really look himself in the mirror? Are they going to use the running game? Are they going to use Miles Sanders? Um, you know, are they going to figure this figure it out? Because offensively. The Eagles have not been good. They don't get started until the late in the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, and that's pretty much when it's garbage time. And it's frustrating whenever that when that happens. It's just really, really frustrating. Um, hopefully, again, hopefully Sirianni, you know, figured it out. You're going up against a a defense that you should be able to move the ball on. You should be able to. They're 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 good at getting after the quarterback, but they're not good against the run. So. Use that to your advantage, you know, then going into Detroit. Um, again, another team that's not playing well. They, they've been in almost every game, but they're still, you know, Jared Goff hasn't won a, won a game without Sean McVay as his quarterback. Dan Campbell being in his first, you know, his first time being a head coach. They're not really who the, – the, they're not playing as well. Obviously, you don't want to look past the Raiders, and that's, and that's you know, hopefully they don't do that. The big thing I, really, I wanted to talk about quickly is you put that poll, uh, poll out and there was talk of Eagles trade candidates. 
And Miles Sanders' name was on that list. That would be dumb if the Eagles were to trade Miles Sanders. I get they don't like to use him, and they have a lot of faith in Kenny Gainwell, but Miles Sanders is still a really good running back. He, If I'm not mistaken, he leads the league in rushing in yards per attempt, but they don't use him. He's one of the least used running backs in the NFL. But you saw against the Tampa Bay when they finally started handing the ball in the third and the fourth quarter, he, he ran for 60 yards. And most of that, if not all, that was in the second half. Use them. You got to use the running back. It, it, it's like a three, three yards in a cloud of dust, dust type of deal. You're not always going to bust one big, but if you keep pounding it at the defensive line, pounding it at the linebackers, they'll get tired for a play. And then Miles Sanders has that ability to break off a big one. He has the most, what, 70-plus yard runs in the NFL over the last two or three years. Like, give the guy a chance. Yeah, I 100% agree. You know, I, I actually kind of, I disagreed with the way the poll went down because I think it was 55% in favor of Andre Dillard being the one to be moved. Um, My thing... My thing, I think I put when I posted the poll, my opinion on each of the moves. And I said, you know what, Miles Sanders, just because you don't know how to use him doesn't mean you move him. He's a focal point of that offense. He can be a very key part of that offense. And with Zach Ertz out of the picture now, he could be even more important because the dump offs are obviously can't all go Dallas Goddard's direction. Kenneth Gainwell, Miles Sanders are going to get even more opportunity in the passing game now with Zach Ertz out of the picture and his, like, I think he was uh, close to, if not over 20 targets on the season. So you're talking about a guy who's seeing, you're talking about like four or five vacant targets per week that need to go somewhere, whether, and Devonta Smith, obviously he's already getting 10 to 12 a game or 8 to 12 a game. So obviously you, you can't project that many more are going that direction, but you can look Quez Watkins, Kenneth Gainwell. Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard. There's obviously some names. There's obviously some areas those targets are going to go. So he he could go somewhere and succeed. And you do not want to be responsible for watching him, for moving him and then watching him succeed elsewhere because you know what you have in him. You know he works. Um, I know he wasn't number one in yards per attempt, but he is top. I, he was top 10. I think he was six, five or six. He's really good in yards per attempt and has some of the lowest attempts uh, on the season, which is brutal. Like he's up there with the likes of Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb for yards per attempt. But he gets used uh, brutally, brutally underused in this offense, as we say, week in and week out. And just to shed some light on how bad the Raiders are in the against the rush, they are a bottom 10 rushing defense across the board. 25th in yards allowed, 23rd in touchdowns allowed, 26th in yards per attempt. This is not, I understand the Hurts can be very effective in the run game, but this is not a Jalen Hurts game. This is a Miles Sanders, a Kenny Gainwell game, and a Dallas Goddard game because they are actually fairly effective against the pass, but not against tight ends, more against wide receivers. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see the game plan that the Philadelphia Eagles put forth this week. Um, let's move it over to the Las Vegas Raiders offense. Their offensive line is their weak point. Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargraves, that should have a big day. Um, we finally, hopefully, should see something out of these defensive ends who are sorely missing Brandon Graham. And I know I say it every week, but it's true. Brandon Graham makes a huge difference for this Philadelphia Eagles front four and getting after the quarterback and stopping the run. Um, Josh Sweat, Derek Barnett, Ryan Kerrigan, uh, Teron Jackson, they all have to, to pick it up because if like, it, it's becoming – you can't just continue to uh, focus on uh, – um, Excuse me. You can't 
continue having just Hargrave and Cox or Hargrave and Milton Williams or whatever, just the defensive tackles getting after the quarterback. Those defensive ends need the help, and they really haven't so far this year. So we'll see if they can finally start getting after the quarterback and getting after Derek Carr. You know, the Raiders aren't one that's going to want to run the football. They, they want to use Henry Ruggs. He leads the league in yards per catch, I think, over 22 yards. They're, they, they're trying to go for the big play. they rather score in four or five plays than have a long, drawn-out 10, 12-play drive. And that's what the Eagles – or excuse me, the Raiders are going to look to do against the Eagles' corner cornerbacks and secondary this week. Get Henry Ruggs out in the open and see if he can torch the defense. Yeah, I mean, I know that it's excruciatingly painful to watch the Philadelphia Eagles defense sometimes because they're still playing a modified version of the Sticks defense that frustrated us about uh, Jim Schwartz. And they do suck against third downs where actually Mm -hmm. we ranked 30th in third down conversions allowed. So obviously we're giving up a ton of third down conversions because of watching the Sticks and allowing them to get even close to the Sticks. But one thing that we have to admit is the defense has been good at keep stopping the big play, but I mean, that's the point of having the too high safety look. That's the point of playing the off coverage. That's why some of the weaknesses of our players are being exploited because we're playing them. We're forcing them in their scheme that just doesn't work for them. Um, so it, I, I definitely agree with you there. It, it's going to be important to keep Henry Ruggs contained. Brian Edwards hasn't really been that great, but Henry Ruggs and Darren Waller can be extremely effective. Kenyon Drake was super effective last week um, in the passing game. And Josh Jacobs is back and he's he's looking healthy. He's looking pretty good. His yards per attempt are low, but he's one of those backs that he gets used and he will run at you and run at you and he'll He'll probably run for one, two, three yards on three or four plays and then burst through for for 15 plus. So it's one of those situations where, you know, they're going to use that run game. They're going to use Darren Waller. They're going to attack that weakness that is in the middle of our defense. But like you did say, from a pass block and efficiency standpoint, Vegas has given up the ninth most pressures. They've given up 73 pressures this year, and they actually have given up the fifth most quarterback hits at 16. So that is going to prove a point where we really have to attack. From a sack standpoint, not as many sacks given up, but if you can get the pressures, if you can get the hurries, if you can get the hits, that knocks Derek Carr off of his game, and that can be something that Philadelphia's defense can really use to their advantage. Like you said, big game for Derek Barnett, big game for Josh Sweat, big game for Ryan Kerrigan if he can start stepping up and making a making an appearance. A big game for Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. We saw it a couple weeks back against the Carolina Panthers. They took full advantage of a, of a weaker offensive line in Carolina. And every time they went and tried to double-team one of them, the other one got away and, and created pressure and got in Sam Darnold's face. We need that more, but we also need the edges to work together as well. And fun fact, this is actually a game between two teams who blitz the least and the second least in the NFL. So they're relying a ton on pressure from that front four. Oh, so this should be fun. Not seeing any, not seeing any uh, creative blitzing uh, from either defense. Also, the Eagles have to find a way to contain Darren Waller. Uh, we know that the linebackers are suspect for the Eagles. Um, Darren Waller is one of the top five tight ends in the, in the in the league, and Derek Carr will use him in the middle of the field on the outside. It doesn't matter. So th- this is where the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to put a safety on them? Um, are they going to put Davion Taylor or TJ Edwards or Eric Wilson or Singleton, that doesn't matter. They all stink. 
um, on, on Darren Waller. I don't know how. And the I Eagles think are, uh, uh, one more name I want to mention, especially in the slot, because he's kind of underrated, is Hunter Edwards? Renfro. Oh, Hunter, yeah. Hunter, Hunter Renfro's, Renfro's done really well, and it makes it really difficult in the slot when you're watching Darren Waller and you know you have Hunter Renfro running around. I'm pretty sure Renfro is their most targeted wide receiver, and Renfro and Waller are one and two in targets on the team because they do they they work so well in unison, and those are his dump-off options. When If one's not open, he Derek Hart automatically looks... It, it probably looks to rug, see if he's open, see if he burnt someone downfield, and then he goes to the other slot option. So I, that's another name to watch that is often kind of underrated is Hunter Renfro because Darren Waller opens up so much space in the middle of the field for Hunter Renfro to be effective as well. And Renfro was that, was that guy in, in college for Deshaun Watson. You know, He caught the game-winning touchdown against Alabama in one of the national championship games from the slot, and he, he's that guy on third and short. Third and five, he'll be able to get you six yards. And that's his job. He knows his job, and that's exactly how that's exactly what he does. So I don't know if they're gonna be able to stop him or contain him or whatever it is. But the Eagles defense, again, I'm hoping over these last ten days that they're able to 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 figure it out against this um Raiders offense, which has which potentially can be a high scoring, high and powerful type of offense. And again, they're not the Kansas City Chiefs, they're not the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Dallas Cowboy type of offense, but still, uh, the they're they're an offense that can really move the football. Um, one thing I did want to before we get to our unheralded player, the one thing I wanted to, to discuss, which is something we might get into a little bit more next week, but the trade deadline is actually I think ten days away, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's November second, um, and we we know that there's this talk of Deshaun Watson getting traded to Miami, um, even though the, uh, there's still potential where the Eagles and the, the Panthers. Could also be in the mix, but looking at a Philadelphia Eagles standpoint, obviously it's going to depend on what happens these next two games against the Raiders and Lions. And you had put that poll up: Miles Sanders, Andre Dillard. Um, there's a, there a couple other guys, Stephen Nelson. Stephen Nelson that could potentially um, be on the trading block. Do you actually foresee the Eagles making a move? Obviously, it's tough to tell. You know, with it's going to depend on how the next two games come about. But still, what do you think? the possibility of the Eagles making a move, whether they're going to be sellers or buyers over the next 10 days. Um, I don't think they're going to be buyers. It really doesn't make sense with the uh, cap that they have. They're going to have bordering on about $50 million in cap space. Granted, yes, Derek Barnett's a free agent. Steven Nelson's a free agent. Um, their Dallas Goddard contract still has to be settled. So there are some free agents that need to settle by I me. Mean, you could still be looking at about, about 15 to $20 million of cap space uh, that Howie can utilize um, depending on how things go. I don't think we're buyers. I don't think we're necessarily sellers. I think we're kind of that in between where if Howie sees the opportunity to move these one year guy or less than one year now, these guys who have half a season left, like Steven Nelson, Derek Barnett, I can see it and it can make sense. I can see a way that, you know, if you're getting a good enough return, you don't, if you think you're going to be out there spending and you're not going to get the compensation picks um, that you want because you're going to sign people, even though these guys are going to go and get signed for big money, then go out and make the move. It makes sense. I thought the deal for, for 
Zach Ertz was a really good move. You get a fifth round pick next year and you get Tay Gowan, who who's uh really who's a fairly effective, long, aggressive outside cornerback who learning behind Darius Say and Steven Nelson and taking the time to learn this defense could really step up next season. And it's tough to say, or in the next couple of seasons as he continues to refine his game at the NFL level. So if there's opportunities to address needs and holes and dump these guys who you don't think you're bringing back next year, but 100% on board for making moves. But I don't think we're buyers. I don't think we're sellers. I think we're at that in-between where we got to figure out our needs. And if an opportunity arises, like the take, like getting a guy like Tay Gowan in, in-house, then yeah, you definitely consider it. If there's an opportunity to get a young safety in-house and you've got to move Derek Barnett or something, 100%. Figure out your needs, address your needs, understand your needs i think is the biggest thing understand your needs and know what you're going to do going forward and i'm sure how he's already got things in mind i i think the only safe bet to get a new contract is dallas goddard with a zacherts move dallas goddard's definitely got getting a contract here again soon otherwise i'm not convinced on Derek barnett and obviously steven nelson probably not either yeah, I don't think Steven Nelson will be back. Uh, Derek Barnett, I'm still iffy on, obviously. So we'll definitely see what, what happens going forward. And a lot of it, as I mentioned before, will depend on the next two games. I mean, if you lose to the Raiders and and, and the Lions and you're sitting at two and six, five games behind Dallas already in the division, yeah, probably not looking good. Um, but, but we'll definitely see what happens over the next ten, uh, you know, eight to ten days to where the Philadelphia Eagles are record-wise and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, so this game coming up, Eagles-Raiders. I won't lie, all season I was planning on going. But like we mentioned earlier, and you, you said you were looking into it as well, highest price ticket of the weekend. There's also a couple other conventions happening in, in Vegas at the same time. So that kind of makes hotels and all that, you know, a little bit too expensive. But I do I would love to make it out to to Vegas um, and love to see that stadium. Did you did you see that video that, that on the outside of the stadium, they actually have like a, a video board that shows the game. Do you talk? You, you want to talk about? Um, excuse me. You want to talk about um, accident waiting to happen? My God, that highway that's right next to that stadium. There's gonna. I don't know how they're gonna be able to keep that video board out there and showing games on a Sunday. Yeah, it, it's amazing what they're doing with stadiums now. It's absolutely day the days of the link and what like what a traditional like Lambo feel, what those traditional stadiums look like. Soldier Field even in in Chicago that they're looking at relocating. Those days are so gone now, and now it's all about technology and what can we put in here to draw more people in. And I think the obviously the goal is like you know if you couldn't afford a ticket, you can watch it on this massive screen outside the stadium and still be close by and stuff. It, it's just meant to build on the experience, but it's yeah. amazing what they're doing with stadiums now. Definitely is. All right. So before we get to our prediction, let's get to our unheralded player of the week for week six in the national football league. Connor, who you got? Um, I'm going with Donovan Peoples Jones uh, okay. of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I mean, I understand, you know, like half of his yardage came on a 50 yard bomb, Hail Mary bomb that Baker Mayfield somehow made. Um, but he got, he went off for, and this is not Thursday. This is last week, by the way, went four receptions for 101 yards, two he touchdowns. Another loser. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think here 
Donovan Peoples-Jones, there's a real opportunity for Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think this OBJ experiment in Cleveland is coming to an end. I know that this is a second time, second offseason, second season. We're kind of seeing this. And we know that, you know, OBJ's playing with a shoulder injury that can end his season if he chooses to go get surgery on it. Um, I think at this point, you know, the experiment's probably going to end with OBJ. You got Jervis Landry, you got this young guy in Donovan Peoples-Jones, and you clearly don't really use the wide receivers very much. In Cleveland, you got Nick Chubb, you got Kareem Hunt, you got like a plethora of tight ends you can use. Clearly, they don't overly value the wide receiver position, and I think it kind of shows in this failed experiment with Odell Beckham. So I feel like, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones is like a name to watch next season as someone who could really emerge as the second receiver and not often maybe the first, the primary receiving target for the Cleveland Browns, depending on the matchups in certain weeks, especially if OBJ's out of the picture. But he had a really big week, and he's been around now a couple years. So um, good for him in that matchup against the Cardinals. Of course, they got blown out, but, you know, <laughs> still. I'm looking, in, I'm looking at that same game. I'm going to go with uh, the receiver for the Arizona Cardinals, Christian Kirk. Five catches, 75 yards, a touchdown. Um, he, You know, they have a lot of young receivers there. Um, to go along with, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green. Yeah, Kirk, you got Rondell Moore. Um, but Kirk is somebody that um, Tyler Murray likes to go to. And then you add a freaking Zach Ertz to that offense. It's going to be tough to stop that offense. They're going to be really explosive. Um, I mean, they put up all those points last week without Cliff Kingsbury being there because he's on. he, he, gets, he tested positive for COVID. So the fact that they're able to do that without having – a couple of coaches and their, their main play caller, that, that team is going to be fun to watch. Um, and one that I think us as Philadelphia fans are going to, to be cheering for because of Zach Ertz. Um, I mean, they also have Jordan Hicks, who I wish we could have gotten the trade. I won't lie. I knew it was a, it was a stretch and wasn't probably, wasn't going to happen, but if we could have gotten a Jordan Hicks back that actually can play, is capable of playing linebacker, I would not have been mad, but again, take Allen. He's fine. Hopefully he can build into something, but we'll definitely see, um, you know, this, 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 this Cardinals offense be very, very explosive over the rest of the year. The only undefeated team in the NFL and Kyler Murray is really fun to watch. Um, I'm glad he picked, and I, and I always say this, and I said it back when he was coming out of, of college, when the athletics allowed him to play one more year in, in college, I said, they're going to regret that because he's going to go to the pros and he went number one overall. And Kyler Murray is just that fun to watch. And he made the right decision picking the NFL over Major League Baseball. Absolutely, man. I, I love Kyler Murray. I love seeing him. And this, this is not to say Jalen Hurts can beat Kyler Murray, but he can be like, a, you know, a severely discounted Kyler Murray if we were to use him right and build the offense around him properly with a scheme and stuff to fit. Like, they, they, they're so similar the two of them in their skill sets, it's just a shame that we can't figure out how to properly use Jalen Hurts to the point now where there's articles about why not give Joe Flacco and Gardner Minshew a chance. Yeah. <laughs> no, just no, just no. Let, let's give that up. See, it, immediately we're two and four. We're six weeks into the season, six weeks into a brand new coaching staff, and we're sitting there crying to throw in the backup quarterback. That's how little 
logical conversation Philadelphia Eagles media personnel have left in them that they have to turn immediately to, well, I'm done bashing Nick Sirianni. How about we figure out how we can get Joe Flacco or Gardner Minshew into the picture? Just no. No, this well, is, we got to well, figure out if he's a guy. So give him the 17-game slate to show I mean, you he's right, a guy or he isn't the guy. Right now, I don't think he is the guy and I, I'll, until he proves it. There are a lot of throws that he misses. And I'm I'm still of the ilk that if I, if you're able to, to do the deal without giving up multiple first-round picks, you go and get a Deshaun Watson, who is a hell of a lot better quarterback than Jalen Hurts will ever be. Um, so I, get, again, I, I know get, And I get that, and I know that we've discussed it at length. I'm not convinced especially with what's going on with this Washington football team situation I am not convinced with the precedent there and the situation now that Deshaun Watson sets foot on an NFL field again that's a risk that you have to take and I don't know if it's a risk I'd be willing to take I think Philadelphia's playing it right probably probably but still I don't think Jalen I don't know and again I, I don't we can't tell we don't know if it's the play calling, if it's this offense, this Harry High School type of offense that Nick Sirianni is is employing, or if it's Sirianni does not trust Jalen Hurts, and that's why everything is to the right of the of right side of the field because he can't throw the ball to his left, he can't go to his left, so every everything's one read, and if you can't, if you if you if it's not there, run. And I don't know if that's because they they don't trust him to to run an NFL style offense, which is weird though because he looked good in. Doug Peterson's offense last year. So again, it could be that this Harry high school offense that Nick Sirianni is running is just awful and and they need to to change it up. But again, if I'm able to go and get a, um, get a top five type of quarterback in in, in the league and you don't have to give up multiple first round picks, you can give up maybe if you don't have to give up all three this upcoming year, if you can give up one this year and one next year, whatever it is, you know, I would do it. And you kind of, but then, and you have to hope that Howie and the front office, their legal team, have done their due diligence. They've talked to the NFL. They've talked to Watson's legal team, which apparently they have. But still, that's that's me. And I've always been a big fan of Deshaun Watson. I mean, and again, not condoning what he what he has done. But if if you can the possibility to go out there and get somebody that's a top five, top ten quarterback in the league, you do it. And that I know, and I know team he- better. I know that it's more costly to take this approach, but I'd probably be on the wait and see approach and look at the Russell Wilson situation at the end of the year over the Deshaun Watson situation. I, I get it. Deshaun Watson's 25 and um, and uh, Russell Wilson's what early 30s there, 31, 32 years old. So I, I get the age difference and stuff, but you're guaranteed a guy who's going to step foot on the field for you. And you know that Russell, Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, if you're talking tiers of quarter, backs are side by side um and there's no reason to discount that i understand that it could cost you those two first round picks or three first round picks or whatever maybe you might be able to salvage one first round pick and trade two first and jalen hurts or something but i'd be more apt to look in that situation in that direction over the deshaun watson situation and what might happen because i think we have to really be paid. There's going to be a bit of a patience around the Washington football team situation now, especially now that it's going to Congress and a real in-depth investigation is about to really take place. I think there's this situation that, you know, they're not going to let guys like 
Deshaun Watson off easy anymore because this is a bad look and and they don't want to continue to trend in that direction. So I'd be more apt to look in the Rush, Russell Wilson direction, despite that it's going to cost you more. You There's no doubt. There's no uncertainty. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But the Eagles definitely have to figure out the quarterback position. And as of right now, I do not know if, if Jalen Hurts is that guy. And again, I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan. So we'll, we'll definitely see um, what happens going forward. And hopefully that Sirianni can figure out this offense and allow Jalen Hurts to play quarterback and not one read and, and run it type of deal. You can't keep running with, especially in a 17-game season, can't keep running with your quarterback and expect that he won't get hurt. And All to right. be effective right. in an RPO offense, I know that people want to get away from the RPO. I don't think we need to get away from it. You need to establish a damn run first. If you don't have a run, nobody's falling for the the pass or the option because they know at this point there's like probably a 70% chance he's optioning and running the ball himself and a 30% chance he makes a pass, but that he bails out of the pocket and doesn't complete the pass. He bails out to the right side and doesn't make the pack complete the pass anyways. So you need to establish a run in order to have the RPO effectively work. So, I mean... I don't want to abandon the RPO because it's such a focal point of offenses in the NFL nowadays, but you need to establish your damn run game so that and the RPO why, can be way more effective. And, that, and that's why I, I stopped calling RPOs and calling a run play. So he has to hand it off. If yeah, like we t- we talked off. about it. We talked about it last week. There were times where he let go and handed the ball off to Sanders, and I swear to God, man, he was holding that ball. His knuckles were probably like red because I don't think he wanted to have actually hand that ball off. The fact that he can't make a proper decision between the R, the P, and the O means on certain plays in certain circumstances, don't give him the option. Say we are going to do a draw. We are going to do a. Uh, to send the halfback on, send the running back outside. Like we are actually going to do a physical run play, no pass, no option, run. I 100% mm-hmm. agree with you. Yeah, so we'll see if if they make those changes this week and and for and kind of quote unquote force um, the force Jalen Hurst to hand the ball off to Miles Sanders. And if he if if Sanders doesn't get more than 10 carries this week, we have an issue. And Sirianni needs to to give up play calling. All right, Connor, give us your prediction. Eagles, Raiders, Sin City, first time visiting Vegas. Uh, it's a big game. And Eagles, if they want to have any shot at a potential playoff spot or, or staying in this division race, they have to win this game and win Halloween in Detroit, definitely. So what are your thoughts and your prediction on the game? Yeah, I couldn't agree more um, on that point. The, the, I mean, the Raiders, it's, it's excusable if you lose to the Raiders because they're kind of, we don't know who they are and what they are yet, but they're looking like they could be this, but they also very well could be that. Um, so, I mean, it's excusable, but you definitely can't lose to, to Detroit. Mm-hmm. That is an inexcusable loss. That is one you should win by, you know, at least two scores. But for we'll the talk Raiders about that game. <laughs> exactly. But for the Raiders game, I think it's going to be a pretty close game. I, I actually think it, the Eagles actually come away with this win, and I'm going 24 to 21 for the Philadelphia Eagles. The spread is three in favor of, of uh, Vegas. I think I that's, think your that, home, I, that's your home, home team spread, pretty much. Pretty much your home team spreads. Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're just giving it to him because of the home field. But is it really a home field? Eh, and the also, amount of Eagles fans that are going to be there, probably not. Exactly. Also super excited to have uh, 
Jordan Mailata moving back to the left side, but he has oh, got yeah, a does. massive matchup. I was do, doing Crosby. some looking into him. Max Crosby plays the left side 85% of the time. So he's going to be seeing a whole lot of Max Crosby, who has the most pressures in the NFL Wait, this season. Does he play the left side of the off? Like, Because if he plays the left side of the defense, he'd be going up against Lane Johnson. No, I, I think he plays the left side up against the, the left tackle. Sorry. All right. Plays so, against the left and tackle. And Gakwe against Lane Johnson. We didn't even bring that up, and I'm, I'm disappointed. Lane Johnson is back, which is huge for the offensive line. And as you mentioned, getting Jordan Mailata back to left tackle. So Mailata, Dickerson, Kelsey, um, Driscoll, and and um, your right tackle in Lane Johnson. That offensive line definitely can open up holes for Miles Sanders. So that's definitely a big big get for getting them back. Excuse me for um for the for the Eagles. Uh, my prediction. Look, it's going to sound like a home game for the Eagles, and I'm hoping that this 10 days rest, some guys get to heal up a little bit, and Sirianni really did look himself in the mirror and and, and gets the play calling better. I'm going to go 27-24 Eagles. Um, I'm, I'm a little iffy, and I don't know why. Again, I don't trust the Eagles right now. It's tough for me to trust them, but, but I think that they could start off, get a couple of wins before – they go up against their next big-time quarterback, and I believe it's Justin Herbert. Um, their next home game is against the Chargers. So, you know, if, if you get through these next two games, you get the 4-4, four four, you start getting a positive feeling in, in, in the locker room, in the city, and then when you come back home and you're sitting at 4-4 four four going up a, against a really good Chargers team um, and a really good Chargers quarterback in Justin Herbert, that'll give you some confidence. These, these next two games can be confidence builders for both the offense and the defense, and they have to take advantage of it. Absolutely. I, I can't wait. I think it, it's going to be a really good game. These next couple weeks are going to be really good games because we're going to get to see a lot of, you know, what we wanted to see. What what are our needs? Has Nick Sirianni learned his lesson? We know, you know, after Nick Sirianni ripped Jonathan Gannon that he's made some changes to the defensive side of the ball. His mm-hmm. blitz ends up ever so slightly. He's using one the one safety look a bit more a bit more than the two safety look all the time like he was using. Now it's time for Nick Sirianni. The ball's in his court. Can you adjust so that we can have a good 60 minutes of football or a decent 60 minutes of football on both sides of the football? Uh, that's going to be the big question. Definitely is. And hopefully the, the Eagles are able to, to as, as you mentioned, as we talked about time and time again, take advantage of these less than elite quarterbacks that you're going to be going up against. Look, Derek Carr has an arm. But he's also like he's also a gunslinger, and he he may throw you the ball. So Darius Slay may get himself another interception or two this week. So we will see. Again, thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. As always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor Ten, and follow me on Twitter at LJ Harrell Fifty Four. Follow our partners at Sports Talk Philly at Sports Talk PHL. Connor, you want to kind of give a preview of your your piece, your preview piece this week? Uh, well, I talk about Max Crosby and I talk about Dallas Goddard as the players to watch this, the key players on each side of the each team. So um, something to look forward to. I'm hoping to get it posted tomorrow morning. Awesome. Philadelphia Eagles lost Vegas Raiders in Sin City for the first time ever for the Philadelphia Eagles. We will see how it goes. We'll be back next week to recap this game and get you set for a Halloween matchup in Detroit between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Detroit Lions. For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Fly, Eagles, fly.
Thank you.